Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts, Alonso and Juan, Alicia Del Valle, and the baby faced gimmick in the sky, Roger. Hola, niños y niñas, and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This week's podcast is presented by our partners at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds. Lines, including the latest player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs from basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL, right on over to the UFC and boxing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting information, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. If you head on over to betonline.ag today, and use or use your phone, whatever computer. If you're Juan, he has the iPad that he takes at, to concerts and takes pictures with. Uh, be sure to use our promo code, which is Believe, B L E A V, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Ben Online, where the game starts. Huge thanks to them for presenting. Also, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the iPad, it's probably because it's an inside joke, but it's funny to me, whatever. Uh, but we are here in pain. Uh, according to Juan, uh, the the title of this episode is a uh, Windy City High to the Pits. Uh, so Juan, I just uh, I'll just let you uh, air your grievances like it's Festivus. Well, thank you, sir. I mean, look, uh, you and I, if if we all of us actually, if you listen to the last week's episode, we all we were expecting a losing road trip. Correct. We thought the Dodgers were going to go three and four. So when they take three uh, three out of four from the Cachorros. I was like, hey, reports of the Dodgers' demise are premature. It looks like they're maybe turning things around. Uh, I do, before I, I talk about uh, the Cachorros, I do want to send out uh, my heartfelt sorry, I guess, to poor Jake Reed. Uh, I, I feel like that poor dude just got the short end of the stick. He had to fly in, and I don't know how much short notice, into Chicago. He gets thrown into that game. And just gets completely lit up. I think his ERA was like 81 Something by the time he got out of the game. And and that's the thing that I, I think we lose sight of as, as fans in terms of just, you know, the, what he had to go through just to play in the game. I, we don't, all we see is, oh man, dude, that guy sucks. And of course he gets sent down the next day. So it, uh, my condolences to Jake Reed. I, I, I appreciate him taking one for the team the way he did. But that was the only game the Dodgers ended up losing. And this was a, a Cachorros team that has a winning record and had just beaten the Dodgers two out of three in Los Angeles. So for the Dodgers to go ahead and take three out of four, I thought, holy shit, here we go. I, I wasn't expecting them to to correct, you know, things until probably June, early June. So I was thinking, yeah, maybe they're starting to turn things around. And then we go to Pittsburgh and I don't know, and we're going to get into this, but 
is it that the pirates are good and we're just not giving them enough credit because they're the piratas and we just assume because they're the piratas they suck and the dodgers should be able to beat them or is it that the piratas are actually good and we need to give them credit the dodgers win on the road and they lost two out of three which one is it baby face uh, the latter. Did I use that right? The first one. Oh, that's cool. That's tough. That's tough. It, it's so the latter, the latter would mean the second one. Oh, then the first one. <laughs> it, it's still the Pirates. I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Roger. I'm you more confused than I was before. Credit. The... You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to yeah. give the Piratas credit is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I think the Pirates are playing, are adapting something the Dodgers aren't doing. They're adapting to the new rules, right? Same thing will happen with the Diamondbacks. Somebody gets on, they're on second by, you know, second or third pitch, and then somehow, you know, they'll get a hit, they'll move them over, and they're, they're, they're scoring. So they're adapting to these new rules that teams like the Dodgers have no idea what to do. Like, they're, you know, how many, how many stolen bases did they get? Like 12 or 13, right, in this series? So I think if they're doing that to other teams as well, you know, before teams are, like, they don't know what to do, and that's very beneficial to teams like the Pirates and the Diamondbacks. And, you know, like I said, I don't expect the Pirates to win that that central, right? I mean, but you do have teams like the Cardinals who are struggling. You know, you, a lot of people expected the Cardinals to be right up on top. And you have the Brewers leading that division. But, I mean, I think as the season goes on, you know, like I said, I don't expect the Pirates to be at that top of that division. If they're getting better, right? Obviously, they got a bunch of young guys. I mean, I, I can't name probably three guys on that roster. I know McCutcheon's there, and I know Rich Hill's there. And, you know, and that's about where it ends. But I think I think what they're doing is they are adapting to these new rules, and it's affecting teams like the Dodgers. So don't they deserve credit for that, though? I mean, everybody's playing by the same rules. Well, yeah, they deserve credit. But like I said, I don't think that they are – like you're saying, like a top tier team, they're not. They're not going to be there at the end. They're they're taking advantage right now, and they're doing good. You know, good for them, right? But like I said, I don't think that they are. When you say like, quote unquote, you know, the best team in the MLB or something like that. But they have the best record in the National League, and we're talking about like right now. We're yeah. not talking about what's going to happen in the playoffs. Like right now, if you're playing a team that's hot, don't you have to tip your hat to the team that's playing really well? Yeah, I mean, who who have they played, right? Like besides the Dodgers, have they have they been beating up on on good teams, like really good teams, or? Well, I mean, if we're gonna go there, you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. So yeah. if the Piratas have the best record in the National League, they're doing more than the Dodgers are. So the Piratas are actually doing their job, and you could say the Dodgers are not doing their job. So. It sounds what you want to do is give the Piratas credit, but for some reason you don't want to give them credit. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, four four weeks in, yeah, they're on top. Like I said, they're on top. Like I said, they are doing something that I think other teams may not know how to handle. Like I said, but I said, like I said, as we keep going forward, I don't expect to see the Pirates on top. That's all I'm saying. Like, good for them. Four weeks in, they're doing good. But like I said, as things shake out, I personally don't think that they're going to be on top. Right, but that wasn't my question. My question was right now. 
<laughs> you know, is it a fact? Is it that Piratas are just a hot team right now? And maybe that's why, because the Dodgers had just won three out of four against the Cachorros and the Cachorros had a winning record. So, yeah. I mean, maybe what it is, is like, I mean, let's be fair. I know everybody wants to sit there and say the Dodgers suck. The Dodgers are a 500 team and we're going to get into it. There's a lot of things that I think are concerning, but if you look at the Pirata schedule, probably the only teams that they played that had a winning record in that first month are the Astros of Houston. And I think that Las Medias Rojas, I think, have a winning record, don't they? Doesn't everybody in the AL East have a, have a winning record right or now? They're, or, they're, or they're 500. But I, I, I'm, I, I don't understand why Roger can't admit that the Pirates are just playing better baseball right now. No, I, I said they're playing they're playing good baseball, but like I said, but I'm not saying like they're a good team. They're not like a top team. When you listen, who do you think are the best teams in, in the NL? Do you have the Pirates up there? I mean, well, here's the thing. To Juan's point, you're only as good as your opponent today. Like n- n- none of what you're saying to me, like if you're looking at it from a clubhouse standpoint, none of that matters. What matters is who am I playing today? Who's the opponent in front of me? And the Pirates have a pretty good farm. They have a very good young core. Mitch Keller is the truth. I mean, we've seen that throughout the season. And, I mean, he showed it to this Dodgers lineup that isn't, you know, pedestrian. So so as of today, they're playing better baseball than the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I actually have a question for you, Roger. How, how, long, how long can you use the – I don't even want to say excuse, but how long can you say – that the, the reasoning why the Dodgers are struggling is because of these new rules that you said everyone else is playing to. Yeah. I mean, I don't know when they're going to adapt to that. I mean, cause like I said, teams, teams that can run are just running like crazy on the Dodgers. So they need to address either whether it's the starter starting pitcher or they got to get guys that can throw these guys out. And, and sometimes they can't even throw them out because, their lead is, you know, so big or whatever, and they're just jumping on. They have the catcher has no chance to throw these guys out. So I'm, I'm gonna guess that's the pitcher's fault, right? I mean, the only guys that are pretty good at holding guys on is Julio, but he, we saw today, Julio, they're running on Julio, yeah. and Kershaw's pretty good at holding guys on. Aside from that, I don't know what they're gonna do. Well, again, I mean, in some cases too, I mean, there is tape on all of these guys, right? So I mean, they figured out that they can steal. I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, if you don't make those adjustments, I mean, that's the issue that they're running into as a whole. They're not making the proper adjustments, and that's why they're playing inconsistently. I mean, that's just where it's at. Injuries don't help, right? I mean, the, all these guys are hurt. You got guys like Will Smith that are, you know, hopefully Will Smith comes back this weekend. But, I mean, also he's coming back from from uh, concussion, right? So you can't, you can't rush that. But, I mean, what it comes down to, though, with pitching at least, is it's been – like, could you start today or – as of the recording of this this Thursday, this is coming up Friday, uh, his start today was just uncharacteristically not like him, right? That that's not a Julio Diaz start. So there's, I mean, there's that, but also, I mean, if if again, like you said, I mean, the, the pirate. Well, actually, you didn't say this, but the Pirates, the Pirates are a good team. I mean, they're young. I'm not expecting them to win a division. I'm not. That's not even the standard we're setting. But as of the recording of this, they're better than the Dodgers right now, right? Is that fair to say? Okay. Yeah, time. but but you know what? In, in the sense, I think Roger, what you're saying, there's a point. Uh, you have a point in the sense that you need to do a better job of holding runners. You need the catchers need to do a better job. 
But that all to me speaks to roster construction. Correct. Like we are a month into the season and it is obvious that Andrew Friedman and his team and his, his team up there, they either did not value the rule changes, meaning we don't care about stolen bases. So we're not going to subscribe to that. We're going to keep playing our game our style of play. And I feel like, how are you going to argue that? Right? Because when it comes to the regular season, every year they've had success, right? What's the one thing failure is where you learn, right? Success. What do you learn in success? You just learn that to do the same thing. We're just going to keep doing the same thing because we know we can get success with that. It's when you fail, that's when you go, all right, we got it. We got to try something new. So, the fact that you got these teams like the Piratas, you got teams like the Diamondbacks, who know we can't out hit the other team. We can't, you know, we're not going to be able to match offenses. But what we can do is we got guys on this roster who can steal bases. And that to me is the equalizer. I think that's why you have teams who we didn't expect much from are probably going to a good having a hot start. Because they're playing old school baseball. This is how it was back in like the 60s and all that. Even in the 80s, those St. Louis Cardinals team that had Vince Coleman and Willie McGee and Ozzie Smith, those guys would just steal bases. So I, 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 I get your point, but it's like this is roster construction. We we had the Dodgers have guys that you and I have both talked about that we think should steal bases. But they don't. It seems like every other team has a much higher success rate stealing bases against us than the Dodgers do against them. So that's what I'm looking forward to is to see if Andrew Friedman finally gives in and realizes, hey, we need to start adapting. Because like you said, Roger, the question is, how long is it going to take for these guys to adapt? Because, look, they've talked about it. I mean... Poor Dave Roberts, after every post game, it looks like he doesn't know what to do. Like, they know they're going to steal bases on us. We've, we've game planned for it, but we can't stop it. And that's got to be frustrating as hell to know what's coming, and you still can't do anything about it. Well, and, and even, even at that, I mean, when the, and then you throw in the inconsistent play, that's really difficult to overcome. I mean, just as an example, like as we look back in the week that was, the Dodgers lost thirteen to nothing, right? In the in the, what could have been the perfect game of, of Mr. Smiley. And then they come back and win nine to four. And then from there, you know, they, they win seven to three. Like that's a tale of two cities. Cause once a lot la- I can't I was thinking about this earlier. When's the last time that you've seen the Dodgers get blanked thirteen to nothing? It's been a long time, and I think this season, especially the start to this season, it is it's been so jarring to Dodger fans because we're just not used to seeing this, right? Because all of a sudden the Dodgers seem mortal. There does not seem to be that level of confidence that hey, you know, it's okay. We're we're going to turn this around. Right now, you know, we've talked about this in plenty of shows. There seems to be a lot of holes on this ship, and we don't have enough hands to cover them. And it's like, how how are we going to go ahead and fix all this? Because as great as James Outman has been to start the season, it is going to be inevitable 
the league is going to make an adjustment to him. So how is he going to react to that? I expect him to struggle for a little bit. Go ahead, babyface. I was saying that might have started already. If, if you look back at Thursday's game, he got a golden sombrero. And he's been striking out. If you go back a couple of games, he's been striking out a lot more than he was earlier earlier on. So it might be happening already. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's like if I think there was a lot of people, and I know uh, you guys were pretty confident uh, with the Dodgers, but I feel like a lot of things had to go right for this team to be successful. Well, the season has started and everything seems to have been going wrong. Every I, I know we're going to get into the injuries, but before we get into the injuries, I, I, I got to ask this question. I know it's only been two starts, mm-hmm. but the last two starts with Julio Urias, he's given up five earned runs, and then today he gave up six earned runs. Now, that start against the Cachorros, the one thing I picked up, and I want to give thanks to friend of the carne asada, Roxo, Arroyo, for this. It seemed like he was not using his fastball. Yep. And that that made me very, very curious as to why he wasn't doing it. Was it because this was the second time around against the Cachorros and he wanted to give them a different look? Now today, he gives up six runs and he did he just didn't look good, right? So before automatically sitting there going, the hitting the panic button and being like, Julio has regressed. Or is it because it's a free agent year? The pressure is starting to get to Julio. I want to start with this. Could there be something physically wrong with Julio? And I want to defer to Alonzo on this because he's a pitcher. Is it something mechanical? Or what I'm concerned about is, is if there is something physically wrong with him and because it's a contract year, he's going to keep going out there to try to deliver because he wants that big contract. Well, I mean, if he's hurt, that's one thing, right? But I mean, the, with the way that sports are now, they're you know, if if they even suspect there's an injury, hey, we're gonna take you, you know, get you looked at, get you, you know, MRI, all that jazz. So I I don't think it's that. I mean, based on, I mean, if you look at his stats, three, you know, so far three three for three with an ERA of four forty one, um, and that's what six starts, and so. He's, I mean, his his overall stats are not any like his whip is still one point two nine, so I mean that's not concerning. He's only given up seven home runs. For the sake of transparency, last year he gave up twenty three. So, so I mean, he's kind of he's kind of par for the course, right? I, I think what it is is, I mean, a part of it is is this East Coast swing just messes with you too. Like, I mean, people don't take that into account. I mean, today's game was at what was it at ten ten a.m. I mean that's. Yeah, it's it's whatever it's one eight one o'clock on the East Coast, but that's it's ten a.m. low. That's what your body's used to, right? And so that's a big thing of it. The fastball thing was interesting to me. I, I don't know if it was just maybe the game plan. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of because the Cubs, the Cubs are are pretty free swingers. So no no innuendo, like literally they're free swingers, and uh, and they're playing with house money. So I I feel like that was a game plan. Today he just seemed out of sorts. I don't know if he just didn't trust this stuff. That's a huge thing with a lot of guys. Uh, you know, if he just didn't really have kind of that that bite that you know that you hear a lot of guys talking about. But it, it, he just seemed flat. Is that is that fair? Like he just seemed just flat as hell. 
Well, that's the reason why I wanted to talk to you. I, I wanted to hear it. Do you think that's the Will Smith? Because I know that he's thrown to Austin Barnes. Yeah, yeah. But we, we have Austin Wynn in there who is a new catcher. Yeah. So are we not giving enough? I know we love Will Smith in terms of his offense, but are we not giving Will Smith enough credit for how well he, he deals with pitchers? Because Julio had an ERA under two yeah. before Will Smith got hurt. And it was like once Will Smith got hurt, all of a sudden, Julio doesn't look like the same pitcher. Babyface, is that me looking for an excuse for Julio, or is there any legitimacy to that? I mean, I don't think he's hurt. You know, I think, I think, you know, like you guys were saying, maybe, you know, the road trip, you know, pitching in in Chicago, pitching in in Pittsburgh in early times, his body, you know, he's just not feeling it. You know, I mean, I don't what I don't want to happen is like he said, is okay. He's going to start thinking it's, it's my contract year. I need to go out there and perform and he's trying to overdo it. Right. And, and, yeah. and somehow, you know, he's, he's, he's falling short. So I don't want it to get to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we just got to see, you know, I think next star will be at home. So hopefully he comes back home and, you know, and, and he pitches, you know, his normal Julio self. Right. I mean, he, he has lost his last three starts now. Right. I mean, so, I mean, that's the, that's, what's concerning. And I know that you, Alonzo feels this way. I, I thought the pitching was going to be the only real thing that they could rely on. I thought offensively, I was worried about them going into the season. And it turns out the two things that I felt I was, I didn't need to worry about are the things that seem really worrisome now is the starting pitching. Because if Julio isn't the Julio that we know he's supposed to be your number one pitcher and you have the way Noah Syndergaard is going. You have Kershaw, the guy, the favorite whipping boy of this show, Tony Gonsolin actually gave them four really good innings. So hopefully that's encouraging. Dustin may seems to be, uh, he's an enigma to me because there's some moments where he just looks lights out and then there's other moments where he just can't seem to find the plate. So uh, hopefully he finds that consistency. I think the year he was going to break out, it it took about two months for him to hit his stride. So hopefully that'll come up for Dustin May. But, I mean, how much in trouble are the Dodgers going to be if Julio is not Julio? Because, look, we talked about this. Right now it looks like they got a lot of holes to fill and I don't know if the trade deadline, you're going to be able to fix all this stuff. And going back to Julio, I think I don't think people understand how much a different catcher really affects you, right? It's a, it, like a good example. Like if you have, you know, if you ever get into a rental car, right? And it's the first time you get into the rental car, it feels all weird. That's kind of the same thing for a pitcher throwing with someone that they, I mean, yeah, they may have played catch or they might've thrown bullpens to each other, stuff like that. But in a game situation, they haven't had that level of familiarity. Right. And so that, that does go, that does matter, man. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're a size 11 shoe, but you're wearing 12s. Like that feels weird. And that's kind of where Julio, I think is that I'm not saying this firsthand, but just based on kind of like the, the outings and, and kind of how it's been, that's how it appears. It just looks flat. As far as Dustin May goes, I'm not overly worried. Because the velocity is there. You also have to remember he's coming back from Tommy John. And there is a period of adjustment where, okay, I missed a year, right? And for him, that's huge because he's just getting in the swing of things, right? 
Like Walker Buehler, I'm not as worried as much because he's been at this level for a while now. And, and he kind of knows the expectation. Dustin was just like you said, he was finding that groove. And then once he got into the groove, unfortunately, he tore the, the UCL. And here we are. So that's why I'm not worried with that. I, I am. The Tony Gonsolin thing was pleasantly surprising, if I'm completely honest. Uh, that was good to see. Uh, that, that lets me know that they're they're riding the ship to it, you know, to use your ship analogy. And bro, they missed Max Muncy. They missed that guy. If you want to talk about a contract year, that's the guy. Max Muncy is having, I mean, he, you know, a lot of people were talking, oh, are they going to renew him? Are they going to do whatever? And so far he's proving that it's worthwhile going, you know, looking for it. I mean, he leads the team right now with home runs and RBIs. And, and he's got, I forgot what his OPS was, but he's got a, a killer OPS right now. And, and he's, I mean, he's, he, they need that offense, right? That offense has been kind of riding the Max Muncy train. But when you have injuries to Will Smith, David Peralta, Chris Taylor, Austin Barnes, Miguel Rojas, and then you haven't even gotten to the pitching injuries. I mean, that's going to decimate any team, right? Because you have to fill all those holes, like you said. But I mean, Max Muncy with with his OPS right now of one point one two nine—that's major league leading, by the way, uh, with eleven home runs as well. That's uh, that's listen. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Major league leading home runs, but that OPS is still pretty high. I mean, he's he's the kind of the the horse right now for the offense. No, I mean, I mean, you're, you're right. Uh, so, I mean, look, it is only April, but the injuries, because now we have J.D. Martinez, which with some back stiffness. So we don't know until he gets back to Dodger Stadium, whether he's actually going to go on the I.L. So if he goes down, he, here's again, I ju- the margin for air for this team is very different than it was last year. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any, especially position players down in the minor leagues that you're going to be able to call up to make an immediate impact. Can I stop you right there for a second, though? Go right ahead, sir. Is the margin of error really that small considering where the division sits as of today? Uh, give it. That's a very good point because so far they are the only team in the National League West with a positive run differential. Mm-hmm. And and Babyface said that they're only one game out of first, so there is no need to panic. I think the problem is with us Dodger fans, and it might be just the trauma that uh, a, a season where you win 111 games and then lose so early in the playoffs, is I don't think fans are looking at it in terms of the regular season. Right. I think the fans look at this team in terms of the playoffs, where whether they win the division or whether they go in as a wild card. This team, as it is con- constructed right now, I don't think Dodger fans have confidence in when it comes to, to getting into the playoffs. Now, I will argue that this team that we're seeing right now is not going to be the same team come July. Right. My just concern is it seems like there's a lot of problems that they have to solve and are they going to have the chips? Are they going to have the currency? And is it worth the currency? to try to fix these things. Babyface, am I wrong here? No, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, as far as concerned, I mean, you guys didn't touch it a bit. Like, what I'm concerned on the pitching is Syndergaard. I mean, that guy's not been good at all. And I don't know if Mark Pryor can work his magic on him. I mean, I mean, he's given up seven runs, like eight runs. Like, 
he is not doing good at all. I mean, not I, I had high hopes for him coming in, so I don't know if he can correct that. I don't know if it's still just that velocity thing that, you know, he was a power pitcher. He's not doing that anymore. How's he going to make that adjustment, right? So that's what worries me with on the pitching side is, is when, you, when you get to send the you're on mute, Roger. You're on mute. Have I been on mute that whole time? Uh, no, <laughs> you, you just <laughs> muted yourself. Actually, oh, okay. yes, yes, you were. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> no, but here's your here. Let me ask you this: If this changes your opinion on Syndergaard, because at first I was like, "Yeah, it's been rough, right?" Where I'm just like, "Oh, I don't know about Syndergaard." And then I looked this up, and then you tell me if this changes your mind. Against his first start against the Diamondbacks. He gives up one run. Uh-huh. That was at Dodger Stadium. He goes on the road to Arizona, gives up six runs. Goes back to Dodger Stadium, plays against the Cachorros, gives up three. He goes at home again against the Metropolitans, gives up two. Not bad, right? Right now, those are quality starts. The only yeah. bad start up there is the Diamondbacks game, six. He goes on the road against the Piratas and gives up seven. So could it just be that Noah? this is who Noah Syndergaard is going to be? When he goes on the road, he's not going to pitch well. But if he pitches at Dodger Stadium, he has a fighting chance. I think what it comes down to with Noah, and you masterfully put that together, because now what the, what the, the pitching game is for the back part of your rotation is quality starts, right? Like you need to get quality starts in order – to be able to to have a fighting chance, right? And so those are quality starts in this game, and they're not what they used to be, right? Like, like just as an example, Howard Cole tweeted this earlier. Andrew Heaney allowed two homers and three earned in six innings to earn a quality start. That's that's a quality start in this iteration of baseball. So so I think at the end of the day, like it's not sexy per se that Noah is not throwing a hundred anymore and he's just, you know, you know, getting getting whatever, you know, 20 strikeouts, 10 strikeouts a game. But also to add to that stat, do you know his whip right now is only 1.38? So, I mean, he's he's having quality starts and he's having quality outings. Ultimately, I think what his problem is, is he's still adjusting going from being able to throw gas to now he has to locate. And there's nothing wrong with that because the guy, I mean, he's not what he was before he got hurt, right? Now he has to, he's a different pitcher. Father Time's also undefeated. So, I mean, you have to take that into account. But what I mean, Mark Pryor, I think, has done a pretty good job overall with considering what he has. The only thing that I'm a little concerned with is uh, is the home runs. He's already given up five, which last year he gave up 14. So the trend there doesn't look great. But at the same time, everything else lines up with this is a guy that's going to eat some innings for you. So so he should only pitch at home, right? We've got to keep him. Keep him off the road trip then, right? That's what we got to do, right? Well, no. This is what I'm saying. You don't have the pitching depth to replace him in the rotation. But if he's going to give you quality starts at home and keep you in the game at home, I mean, you have an equal amount of games at home and on the road. Aren't you going to take that until you can find a better solution? Like Pepio. If Pepio shows up and Pepio starts pitching well, um, if Gonsolin can prove to stay healthy, because I still feel you're going to have the inevitable Kershaw's going to go on the IL. Right. So you don't have the depth right now, so you have to keep him. 
I'm just saying, I'm like you where I'm just like, well, Syndergaard doesn't look. But the guy pitches keeps you in the game at home. They just didn't score. I mean, that Metropolitan game, the Dodgers didn't score any runs for him. You know, and the same thing could have been said against his first start against the Diamondbacks. He he wasn't getting run support. And I want to use that to segue into this offense. And, I mean, we talked about the feast or famine thing. I, a friend of the kindness out of Dave Vasse gets a lot of shit, right? Because some people sit there and say he's a ball washer. He sucks up to the players. But then other people get mad at him because he tends to call out certain players. And it seems one of the players he's been calling out in a very subtle way, I think, but if you pay attention, I think it becomes a little obvious, is Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts has ended the month of April. Well, April's not over yet, but so far, Mookie Betts is hitting 233. I, I, this is what I mean by the margin of error, Alonzo, in the sense that if the pitchers are not on, this offense isn't going to, yes, they did it earlier. Uh, they came back and beat the Piratas in that 8-7 game, but that's a rarity. You're right. not seeing that. I mean, that was something I think you could have done last year where if the pitchers had a bad day, the offense was going to pick you up. This offense, I, I know because he, and we've talked about this many times on the show, Mookie Betts' contract, I know his expectations are much higher than everyone else. But Mookie's hitting 233. Jason Hayward is hitting 191. And I don't know if anyone realistically expected more from Jason Hayward, but because of the injuries, Jason Hayward has to play. So Jason Hayward is playing, but he's not producing. So that's a problem. Uh, he's looked a little bit better, but Miguel Vargas is hitting 217. Uh -huh. That is a guy that Dodgers were expecting you know, look, you, you guys, lost, we lost Trey Turner. We lost a lot of production. And if you go look, don't look up Justin Turner's numbers with the Las Medias Rojas because it's just going to make you cry, you know, because you want, you would probably, you'll take that right now on the Dodgers. But you have guys, you know, Chris Taylor, because he was so bad, is actually starting to look pretty good now. But he's also just hitting 161. You got a lot of guys on this team that are hitting under 200, but you need them to play because of, of the injuries. So if the Dodgers can just find a way to stay close in these next two months, and let's say people start getting healthy or people start turning around their seasons, they might be in really, really good shape. But I, I want to give a point to our contributor, Jason Barquero, who has always been critical of Austin Barnes. And I know we need Austin Barnes because of the Will Smith situation, but Austin Barnes is hitting 079. Well, and, and that's, and that's tough. I mean, how, how do you win? You still got to score runs to win games. Well, I, I mean, they're weather, they're trying to weather the storm of injuries. I mean, we all, you can't take that and dismiss that. Right. Because they got some key guys that are hurt. And, you know, like I said, you got Will Smith, who, who has been out with the concussion. Uh, you got you got Mookie, who's been struggling. Freddie was in a little bit of a slump. And then Chris Taylor's been hurt, right? Austin Barnes has been hurt. Um, uh, Miguel Rojas is hurt. David Barata's hurt. That's why they called up Michael Bush. They called him up because Miguel, Mickey, Mickey was struggling, right? So they, they had to make an adjustment there. And and then, so that's why they're trying to, you know, to figure out not what sticks, but just what is going to keep them afloat until they get some of these key guys back, right? 
JD Martinez getting this. Listen, I sympathize because I literally threw my back out like two weeks ago, opening a door. Like that's, that should be in the playbook when you're in your mid thirties. Like, Oh, by the way, you're going to sneeze and you're going to dislocate your shoulder. So like, so stuff like that, like it, it, it happens. So you just kind of have to be prepared for it where you can. And that's why they, they called up the kid, right? Michael Bush. But I think for me though, like the Mookie thing, I don't know, man. I mean, you, I've told you guys my stance on this. I feel like some of it's unwarranted because everyone's expectations are different. Right. And I feel like that's where that's kind of unfair for lack of a better term, because I mean, cause again, just like uh, I give you this example. So because they gave Xander Bogarts that contract, that's the guy that they're going to hinge all of that accountability onto. Like, I think that's unfair. Am I wrong for thinking that way? Uh, look, it's, you know, we talked about this off air, uh, the Giannis situation, right? Giannis was hurt during the series that they ended up losing. Giannis is being held accountable. Is it fair that he's being held accountable? I mean, he was hurt for almost three games in that series. Like if he was healthy, maybe the Bucks don't end up losing that series, but he's being held accountable because uh, the expectations are more. We expect more out of the superstar elite players. Everything that you say, Alonzo, logically makes sense. But you cannot, I, I think people have a hard time separating that contract and then looking at the numbers, or not even, don't even look at the numbers. If you're just watching the game and you're seeing Mookie pop up, right? and it's just like, man, we we can't have that. We need, we need clutch hits. So, yeah. And during a long season, it, it'll probably even out. But I know Babyface and I have had this conversation. Contributor Cody Snavely has said this. Remember back when Mookie played with the Red Sox? It was... It seemed like when he was with the Medias Rojas, he was always hitting over 300. Since he's come to the Dodgers, we have not seen that 300 batting average. So I think maybe also he's victim of what he's done in the past, and we expect that, right? We, If you did this in the past, we expect you every year to do those numbers, and that's just not the way it works in baseball. Uh, so it, 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 I, I, I see your point, Alonzo, but I also just think it's going to be very hard because the Dodgers also market Mookie right. as an elite star. So those are expectations that unfortunately they, they come with the game, right? Babyface. Yeah. I mean, ultimately you can't have Mookie hitting 233, right? I mean, you can't, you just can't have this guy, your superstar, Hitting 233. I mean, his worst season in Boston was 264, right? And and then since he's been in LA, he hasn't gotten his highest was 292 in 2020. So I mean, is he going to get to 300? Probably not. But like again, now we're getting to the point where like you know what? If he hits 270, we'll take it, right? I mean, I think I think we're getting to that point. Like. Okay, if he can get to 270, we'll, we'll take that from Mookie right now. But, but, but 233 isn't going to cut it. Look I, look, I have a lot of faith, and I'm a big fan of Federico. I'm even having a hard time seeing Federico hitting in the 280s. It just does not – it seems weird to me. It's like, 
hey, man, come on, you're better than that. You know, it's like Federico hitting 280. I mean, I expect Federico to hit 300, right? So we have expectations on these players. And I think sooner or later, we just have to come to realize sometimes players have bad seasons. Yeah. And everything has just been going wrong for the Dodgers at the start of this season. And we just hope that it just doesn't continue for a whole season, that it's maybe just a temporary funk and they'll snap out of it. And at the end of the year, you'll look at their numbers and they'll do what they've always done every year. Now, I want to ask you guys, and I, and I brought this up before to you guys, and, and I don't know if your, your stance has changed or not. Do they miss a CFO? Right? Do they need, do they need that rah-rah guy that's getting them up when things are down and just helps them get loosened up? I mean, because game, they're not doing anything, right? They're scoring one run, two runs, no runs. And you know they get down, it's eight two or whatever, and like, there's no energy there. Like, do they need somebody just to like, hey guys, it's okay, let's you know, let's get back in this thing. Uh, no, my mind has not changed. The first time, every year you bring this up, and every year I, I could not disagree with you more about this. Same. I don't, I, I understand, you know, being loose in all that stuff. But I don't think, like, Hanser Elbelgio, everybody loved Hanser, right? Nobody had a bad thing to say about Hanser. Look at Hanser's numbers last year. I mean, you could have very easily made an argument that you should have cut Hanser and given a, a James Outman or given somebody else a chance for his spot because Hanser wasn't producing. But everybody loved Hanser. The team won 111 games. I, I just don't. I don't, when you lose, it just sucks. You're not going to have energy. I'm, I'm going to give you this example. Yesterday, Haley, their team had a chance to win the, the league and they lost. And you saw them wearing it on their faces after the game. They were talking to the, the coach was talking to him and their coach is cracking jokes. And after the game, Haley says to me, I don't know what the hell he's cracking jokes about. We lost. If that was me coaching, I would have been ripping everyone a new one. She did her job. She was on base every single at bat in that game, right? So, look, he's trying to keep it light, right? He's trying to keep the energy up. It's a results-driven. I mean, this is, this is a sport that we have definitive results. You win or you lose. I go back to the 1986 Mets. From everything we heard, they all hated each other. Yep. They all hated each other on that. And that team ended up winning the World Series. You can look back and you go, that team was stacked. So, no, and, and, and even if there was, let, let me accept your premise here, babyface. Who on this team could be the, CF, the CFO? And, and I'll even give you this one, Roger. Most clubhouse guys, you would never know who the CFO is because they handle their business behind closed doors. Juan's been in there. Like, like everyone, like every clubhouse has a guy, but just because it's not publicly known doesn't mean that that's what's going to like get them over the hump. Well, I mean, remember when we had uh, Kirsten on the show and Kirsten told us that Austin Barnes was hilarious. Yeah. What has been your interaction with, uh, with Austin Barnes, babyface? when you've been in that locker room, does he come off as a hilarious dude? Um, he said something funny the other day when he was going into the dugout, but that's about it. Like, yeah, he's, he's pretty stone faced and he's like, yeah, I mean, right. I just think, I just think 
having somebody that can get them loose so they're not, you know, oh crap, we're playing like crap again. You know, I'm over three. Like just somebody to break break that ice. I, I think it help. I think it help guys to like get them out of funks and just like, you know, just ease up when when you know during the game. I mean, I, I forget what year this was, but remember when Ethier lost his fucking mind in Milwaukee, and he was like ready to fucking fight everybody. And he threw out that he threw that huge tirade in the dugout. And then right after that, the Dodgers went on this fucking ridiculous tear, winning all these fucking games and just climb back into it. And they take over the lead into the division. That seemed like a super fucking tense moment to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that didn't seem light at all. Could it be that maybe the Dodgers need the opposite of someone keeping it loose? Bro, the guy I think right it's now. I think it's way too early for it. Right, but maybe they need more of a Gibson. Maybe they need more of an Ether as opposed to a CFO. Bro, right now in Pittsburgh, the guy that's keeping the the fucking ice all all light is Andrew McCutcheon. So, so I mean, it doesn't have to be someone that's obvious like that because McCutch is the vet, right? I mean, those are all kids. Those all all of those dudes were. We could all say that, you know, they're they're children at this point. And then Kutch is the the vet, you know, the 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 gritty vet. He's the one that's calling the meetings and doing the thing and he's keeping it light. So it doesn't have to be someone obvious, but at the same time, we don't even have to know because they keep that stuff so close to the vest in the clubhouse anyway. I just think are- baseball is stupid and there's just yeah. no explanation for it. No. Like things happen and it's just like again, I I Poor Federico, when he was going through that slump, he's sitting there. You could see he's totally fucking lost. And he's just like, I don't get it. I do the same thing every day that I did before. I got results then, but I'm not getting results now. Like, there's just no explanation for this. I mean, these are elite players. Like, we're sitting here talking about why doesn't fucking Mookie hit 300? We don't understand. Like, Mookie used to hit 300, right? Mookie in many you know people's minds are considered one of the best players Ever. in the league and we're like sitting there going hey mookie's hitting 233 he fucking sucks well and, you know it's, it's just it makes no sense well it's like that video i sent juan this video from a youtube channel i'll find the channel to give him credit and it's it's, it's a video showing i think it was trevor bauer who's throwing uh that this is what mlb pitching looks like and i sent it to juan and juan's quote direct quote fuck that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so I mean, at the at the end of the day, like like you said, we all, oh yeah, they, they, what the fuck? Why can't this guy hit that? Or why can't Kobe dunk this ball? Like because you're also six <laughs> six and can dunk like that. Like so, for me, at the end of the day, ba- baseball is dumb. Let's, let's just call it just like golf is dumb. Like yeah. these, and, and but but with both of those sports, they have one thing in common. It's Ninety percent up here between the eyes, right? And and just like Freddie said, I've been I'm doing the same damn thing I've done for thirty whatever years, and I still can't hit a fucking ball. And so that's that's what it is. I mean, when when the when the whole clubhouse is inconsistent, the whole clubhouse is inconsistent. But when they're on, they're on, right? And with some teams, they're able to overcome that because of the talent level that's in that clubhouse. This clubhouse is too good to be. I don't even want to say bad. They're just being inconsistent. This clubhouse is is and but also they're dealing with a litany of issues, so that's why I, I'm not necessarily worried because like I've told you guys, talk to me after Mother's Day. If after Mother's Day this is continuing, then they have a problem. That's the whole reason why when we had a uh, uh, Jason on, um, 
I did that exercise of, well, you guys were telling me the sky is falling. Why don't we trade for you guys? And none of you guys concurred. So which is it? The sky is falling or the sky isn't falling? What is it? And that's exactly what it is because they're 500. So the right. sky is falling one day and the sky is not falling the next day. Everything is fine. Look, there's no better example than this road trip. They're coming out of Chicago. Hey, they're turning around the season. And then the Piratas just bring us right back to earth. And like Rob Schneider says, oh, we suck again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of, I mean, one of the things I do, I am concerned about, and I'm curious to see if they can turn it around uh, is Yancy Almont, uh, Almonte and Alex Vesia. Those guys were two very important uh, pitchers in that bullpen last year. And they just don't look the same. And I've always heard this. And I think even Andrew Friedman has said it himself. Bullpens are very volatile. And so it's very rare that you get that level of consistency year to year uh, from pitchers in the bullpen. Right. But I, I don't want to sit here and just be, it's all doom and gloom. They are some pitchers that have surprised me in this Dodger bullpen. And they might be this year's Alex Vesia and Yancy Almonte from last year. Look, Shelby Miller had a terrible fucking spring. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh, this is this is not going to be good. Shelby Miller has an ERA of 1.64. I mean, he, he's been good. Um, you know, in the short amount of time, Justin Brule has been good. Poor Justin Brule, friend of the kind of salad, will probably be the first one to get sent down again once Correct. more people get healthy. But he's pitching well. And Caleb Ferguson, man. That guy, as long as he can stay healthy, has always delivered. So, and and Evan Phillips had one really bad outing, and that's why I think his ERA is as elevated as it is. But the more he pitches, you start to see that ERA go down. And Bruce Dar was pitching better before he went on, on the paternity leave. So there are some parts of the bullpen that are working, um, but I just felt like Almonte and Vesia were such important parts of the bullpen last year. How do you replace them this year? And I know Daniel Hudson is hurt, but I just don't think you can expect Daniel Hudson where he comes back for him to just be in midseason form. I think that's probably going to take time. Andy, do you guys have any positives or are we just going to be the doom and gloom podcast episode? I mean, well, Roger, I'll let you go first. Well, um, they just called up uh, uh, Aaron Chingon Gonzalez, right? And he's 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 had two, I think, uh, two outings. Or Victor, Victor's pretty oh, good. Victor, too. Sorry, sorry, Victor. Where did I get Aaron from? <laughs> but yeah, Victor Victor Gonzalez, right? He looked he looked. I mean, he hadn't been up since when? Like a couple he, years? Yeah, a couple of years. I was right. it the year after they won the World Series, right? Was he up in twenty one? Yeah, so we yeah. haven't seen him since since twenty one. So yeah, he, you know, hopefully, you know, he. He stays up and he gets a shot too. I mean, but yeah, it's, it is surprising to see like Vesia and Yancey struggling. Um, I mean, I mean, that's just the thing. Like, we're not, we're you're not accustomed to any of this stuff. Like, you you bring in a guy like one of those guys, and you're like, okay, they're gonna get these guys out, right? And then the next thing you know, they give up a single, they give up a walk. That guy's on second. Then they get a single, bloop single, whatever. Like today, like it, the game today was with Julio starting the game, right? He had a two two o two o lead. He goes out there and within like three or four batters, they're, they're losing three to two. It's like, what the hell? You know, so we're just not expecting any of this. And I think, as we mentioned a couple of shows back, 
I think once that once guys start coming back, they're probably going to be at about 500 for, you know, next couple of weeks. And hopefully these guys come back and they start getting a little bit more in a routine. And hopefully from there they take off. I didn't expect Shelby Miller to be the horse of the pen, though. That was not yeah. what I expected at all. Um, Caleb Ferguson has been a, a pleasant surprise because I feel like he didn't get a fair shake. Does that make yeah. sense? No, I agree with you. And and he's come out and he's kind of showing that he can hang. And uh, in the, I mean, Justin Brule, friend of the Ganasada. I mean, I, I he he may have. I mean, if everything kind of stays status quo, he might have a shot at not being optioned down, right? I mean, because at this point, they're trying to construct a bullpen more or less to figure out what's going on with these these issues the the thing that's concerning about evan phillips but isn't at the same time is really really the only thing is home runs and, and the reason i say that is because he's given up two which in comparison to to kind of what the lights out you know situation was that's that's kind of uncharacteristic of, of at least the sample size that we have and then the yancey thing in comparison to last year to now I, there's something that ain't right there i, I don't know if it's He's overthinking the mechanics. If there's an adjust, I don't know, but but there's something that ain't right. But he's better than that, right? Um, and then with him, I mean, you know, he's got six walks. That's a lot of walks. So, so I think I think once they get some of these guys in a groove, like Roger said, that once they kind of get into that, that okay, like you know, the the ship is righted. Because again, you still have you're adjusting to like like right, Roger said, you're adjusting to new rules, right? But you're also adjusting from coming out of spring training into the season. It takes a minute. It is what it is. But also they're dealing with injuries, right? Because they've already had a call of Victor Gonzalez. They've had a call of Luke, uh, uh, Jake Reed, excuse me. Poor guy has an 81 ERA going back down to, to the minors. But, I mean, it's, you know, even that, Alex Vesia with an almost 10 ERA. Like, that's uncharacteristic of these guys, right? So so I think once – and I'm really happy that Bruce Dar's coming back, hopefully, as of I think Saturday, I think is what they said. If, I mean, if that guy can get it right, I mean, before he went down, he's a 253 ERA. That's not bad, you know, for, for a guy that was touted to be the next closer at some point. Right. So, so I think just getting that stuff right. But the biggest thing is, is getting those quality starts from these guys and then getting quality appearances by the bullpen. If the bullpen can do that, then we're good. It's that easy, right? Uh, Yeah, it's that easy. And also (laughs) fixing the offense. I mean, sooner or later, they're going to have to get production out of their outfield. Yep. And I mean, that includes bets. I mean, right now, yes, Altman is carrying them, but it is, it is getting very difficult to watch Trace Thompson go up there because they're depending on Trace Thompson to hit lefties and that's not happening. And he's not hitting righties. He had that one game where he hit three home runs and one. And after that, he he's been in a MIA and, some people will probably tell you the Dodgers should have seen that coming because he hasn't been able to put up those kind of numbers for a full season. And um, it's, it's just, it, it's tough to watch because it just, I feel it puts a lot of pressure on the pitching staff. They have to be good because you just don't know you're yeah. You may have a game where your offense scores nine runs, but then you're going to have another game where your offense doesn't score anything for you. So, um, and they miss Will Smith bad. They yes. miss his offense. And, and, and yeah. I just hope he, he, he really is healthy yeah. because if this thing lingers for the whole season with him, if he struggles, yeah, the, the Dodgers are going to be, uh, in a world of hurt. 
Well, and I mean, and he said so himself. He hasn't had headache, has not had headaches for like a week almost. So, I mean, that's a good sign if you've ever had a concussion. Um, but I mean, he is such an integral part of the team. I mean, he's an, he's an elite catcher, an elite game caller, and he has a great bat, right? I mean, he was hitting before he went down uh, 333. So it's not like this is just some, you know, it's a catcher that hits and can also hit for power. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's a huge, huge miss. Uh, well, as, as we start to wrap this thing up, Juan, uh, we, we, we're going to start a new segment here. We're going to enter into uh, Juanito Ramirez's wrestling corner. And because uh, we have to we have to address a, uh, an elephant in the room. There's a new title one, a new one. And it's uh, it's the WWE heavyweight championship, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That is correct. And uh, so I, I want to give you the glory because you, I think, have a pretty rational exp- uh, explanation as to why this new championship uh, belt was created. I just want to say this. What they basically took was the old WCW, you know, Ric Flair championship belt, which I was always a big fan of. I always liked that championship. That's one of the better looking championships. Yeah, I've always been a fan. And they just put this disgusting W right in the middle of it that just ruins the whole thing. Uh, That being said, my favorite championship belt of all time was the winged uh, championship belt. The first one to wear that championship belt was probably the greatest WWF champion of all time, and that is the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, that to me, no, no, that to me was my favorite championship belt. But in a very close second was the WWCW uh, Ric Flair uh, championship belt, which the WWE has now brought back and just put this disgusting W with a hubcap right in the middle of, of the belt that just ruins it. But I, as I said, I want to give you the glory, Alonzo. Can you please explain to our viewers and our listeners why this championship belt was created and why was it necessary? Oh, I think they did it because they don't want to take the title off of Roman. I thought I was, and this isn't like knowing anything on the inside or anything. I mean, I don't, I honestly thought at WrestleMania, they were going to take the belt off of Roman and obviously sidebar, they threw that Clayton Kershaw curveball and it completely caught us off guard and they kept him with the belt. So I, I personally think they're introducing this belt so they don't have to take the belt off of Roman. Uh, I forget. Oh man. I forget the name of the wrestler. There's a rest. Is it San Martino that has the longest uh, title reign ever? And I yes. believe that's what it's they're Bruno. To, it's Bruno, Bruno San Martino. Uh, so they're probably trying to pass that, which I think is a crime if I'm completely honest with you. Well, uh, babyface, I'm I'm curious because maybe I just don't know anything about wrestling, and especially when it comes to storytelling. But I feel like having long championship reigns is actually bad because if you know that the guy's not going to lose, it, it sucks. I, I I just feel like knowing that there's a chance that someone, and this is why I've always respected the way that Ric Flair did business. He understood dropping the belt and creating a match, a a rematch, getting a trilogy going like it is in boxing, having a, a, you know, going back to his matches with Ricky Steamboat and and stuff like that. I always thought that was better for business. I thought the fans would be more engaged because they know, hey, there might be a chance. That's why when the pukester was the champion and you knew, you knew he wasn't going to lose. That you knew that he was going to get his ass kicked for 14 minutes and then he was going to fucking hulk up and then beat the person. And 
that to me just it, it just sucked. I what do you think about having these long reigns, babyface? Yeah, well, I think that's what they're doing with 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 Roman Reigns. I think they're trying to get him over a thousand days, and he's like right around there, nine sixty, right, probably in that in that time frame right now. I just don't get the two belts. Like, one's the championship, and one's called the Universal Championship, or something like that, right? Like, correct. I, I don't get what that Universal Championship is. Is it just a former? I I mean, uh, a fancy IC title. Like, what what is Universal Champion? Like, I, I don't get it. I mean, I I think they should just have. If they're doing two brands, have one one champion in SmackDown, one champion on Raw, whatever, or or bring back like that WCW big gold belt, like they're kind of like they did now, have one one of those and, and one WWE, and that's and that's it. But yeah, like you said, I mean, if you're a wrestler, like yeah, I'm not gonna get to be champion because this guy they want to give this guy a freaking five year reign. So what's the point, right? Well, and and Kevin Nash on apparently I didn't know this. He has a podcast. It's called Click This Podcast. If you know what that is, it's too sweet. Um, he said, "Quote: When you have nine hundred, and this is on Roman's title reign, uh, when you have nine hundred and fifty days behind somebody, you've got to get to a thousand days. You have to. It's like if baseball was a work, you would make sure somebody surpasses Bonds' seventy-three home runs. You'd book that. I, I mean, I, that's the old school, right? I think." For me, the, the only problem with it is I feel like that they're burying other talent that has an opportunity to be elevated, right? Like a KO, a Kevin Owens, that, that he'd be a great candidate. Like the Brock Lesnar thing makes a lot of sense, right? But then even like his booking at WrestleMania was weird. So I think, so I think it, I, I see both sides of it. But to me, it's like, okay, if you have to bust out another title, that means you're, there's no intention of taking the title away from the guy, right? No, you're absolutely right. And I will say this. There are also some wrestlers that I feel don't need the title to go over. Correct. Uh, especially a lot of the, you know, I like, look, you, let me, I mean, you guys all know I prefer the 80s and 90s wrestling. Like Jake the Snake was a guy who never won the title. Roddy Piper never won the title. But those were guys that they didn't need the title. Like they could still generate heat. They could get interest without being a champion. I mean, Seth Rollins, current example, perfect example. I, I think Kevin Owens is another guy that you just yeah. mentioned that is a guy that doesn't need the belt. So I think they would be better off with less titles because I feel like it would mean something. Uh, you know, when you, less titles is better. I agree with you, babyface. I don't understand why. Now you're getting into boxing where you're, you, you know, it's like, wait, what? What championship is this? He's a featherweight, a bantamweight, and, you know, all this other stuff. So I agree with it. For me, it's just less titles is better. And um, I'm just not a fan of this new, the design of this new belt. Well, and I will have a hot, a hot take on boxing. I don't think titles mean what they used to anymore. And so that's why I don't even like, oh, you're the IBF champion. Cool. What does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because then they're stripping title. Because that's the other thing now. They have to pay to defend those titles. So it's a business for the for the governing body when it's not really the value of you are the champion. Here is your title, right? So, so I. But that's that's a conversation for another day. I wanted to ask you the two of you because you're both from the, the La Vieja Escuela, the old school. The the, the CM Punk stuff that's been coming out. Uh, uh, if, if you don't know, CM Punk uh, reportedly was backstage at a WWE thing. Uh, supposedly he's going back to AEW, whatever. But you guys, I know, I know Juan is a big John Cena guy. 
uh, you know, he, he, he earned a lot. He had a lot of heat with all those guys. And now he's, uh, he's fighting the fight with, uh, the powers that be he's raging against the machine again. Is, is this just to build hype? Am I, am I being naive here? Juan, am I, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I, I mean, that is, I just don't think you can dismiss that, right? This is a world where everything seems to be a, a gimmick. Everything is an angle. And so I don't think you can dismiss that. But I do think he's still under contract with AEW. Yes. So unless he's going to break something like that, and I, I don't know. You've seen former wrestlers come back when you thought there's no way. They've burned the bridge. There's no way he would ever be welcome back. But business is business. And Vince McMahon is one of those guys who can, I mean, shit, how many times has he banned the pukester and then he brings him back, right? So, I mean, Vince McMahon doesn't care about that. So it, it is an angle. So I, I don't think you can go ahead and dismiss it. I, I do think it's just totally funny. Now I wonder, was it really unannounced? The reports were he didn't tell anybody that he just, and he just randomly showed up. How many people really were surprised it, it, you can never know i mean now you have so many i mean trish stratish's promo yeah. you know yeah yeah you have wrestlers now going to social media and they're still they're in their gimmick they're living their gimmick so you don't know what is an angle and and what is not an angle so i like cmm i i like cm punk i mean i for me i always uh I have a fond memory of him because when the Macho Man Randy Savage died, he came out and wrestled in Savage's trunks. Yeah. And I thought that was very classy of him. But I also understand that he rubs people the wrong way. Well, and like, again, I mean, like, it's... Oh, go ahead, Roger. Sorry. I was going to say, like, actually Savage's trunks, like his actual trunks or just a replica of those trunks? It, it was the replica of his trunks, and it was the classic. He was wearing the purple trunks, with the yellow boots and they weren't boots. They were like fucking like, I, I don't know. What, what do you call them? Alonzo? They just basically cover the boots that he already had on. Yeah. yeah, Like boot covers, but he tight, he taped up his hands the way Savage would tape up his hands. So I, I've, I've always liked that, that moment, but look, I, I, I feel like that the WWE needs more, more personalities because some of these guys, I, I just think, aren't very good on the mic. Even wrestlers that I like, like, I don't know if you guys saw, I know she's not with WWE anymore, but Sasha Banks or Mercedes is wrestling in New Japan. Yeah. And she's doing these promos, and I think she's just really bad on the mic, man. And, I mean, she's a great wrestler. I mean, a great wrestler that I loved, Bret Hart, I didn't think was very good on the mic. He was great in the ring, but on the mic... I don't think he was very good. Well, and, and again, I mean, it's it's like CM Punk has both, right? He's good in the ring, good on the mic. He's delivered some kind of legendary promos um, and has had great programs. But, I mean, the thing about the, the business is if you move the needle, there's a job for you somewhere. I mean, that's a part of it, right? So, I mean, we'll see. And that was wrestling, uh, the wrestling corner with Juanito Ramirez. Uh, and we'll find a sponsor to get that sponsor. How about that one? I, I, Slim Jim, I think, would be a great sponsor for the wrestling corner. So you I gotta was get... thinking Hulk Hogan. That's who I was thinking should be the sponsor. Hogan's Hangout? That'd be <laughs> awesome. Hogan's Hangout is going to be the sponsor for the wrestling corner. What were you going to say, Roger? Sorry. You're muted. Again. 
Dodgers posted their uh, what is it now their fourth baby announcement in the last couple of days. Bruce Star, I think it's the last one. Bruce Star finally their announcement of a baby girl. So why do you I hate think, babies? I'm like, not why saying you, stay, you make it sound like you hate babies. No, I'm just saying now we're getting our guys back. Now it's the last announcement, and now let's get our guys back. Hey, that might be it, man. That's what uh, they they caught the Piratas caught the Dodgers at the wrong time. And who knows if the if the Dodgers take two out of three out of the Cardinals this weekend, everything will be back to normal, right? Everything everything will be fine. We got we got to make a, a wager with Polo. I'm gonna well, <laughs> well, I mean, he has to be here to make the damn wager. Uh, by the way, uh, felicidades, uh, uh, Brewster, uh, on being a girl dad. Uh, congratulations, my friend. Uh, by the way, do are we gonna do predictions before we end the show? Is that sure. the whole reason we do these shows? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, so the Dodgers have. Uh, one, two, three with the Cardinals, and they got and the Trey Turner makes his triumphant return to the ravine. Uh, they got three against the Phillies uh, before they start a weekend series with the Padres. So my question is, are we doing all of those, or where are we at? Uh, no. I, six at home. Yeah, the six at home. The six at home. Okay, just want to make sure. Uh, so six at home. The Cardinals are trash right now. Sorry, Polo. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go split 3-3. Three, three. Good call. Uh, I'm going 4-2. Oh, Dodgers okay. are going to win four. They're going to lose two. I, I think all the dad strength is going to come back to this team. And um, everything's going to be – we're going to turn the corner. Mr. Positivity just showed up. Hey, gimmick, gimmick. Roger? He stole my numbers. I was going to go 4 and 2 why? Let me ask you. You, you can go four and two. I mean, it just means I'm going to lose, but you can go four and two. Four and two. Yeah, Cardinals are struggling, but you never know. They might um, get, you know, liven up against the Dodgers, but I'm going to stick with four and two. They're a team that also has some baseball players. So I, I, I wouldn't surprise me. If and they, they just sent down one of their rookie studs, too. Kind of, kind Jordan of. Jordan Walker. Jordan yeah. Walker. Yeah, yeah. They sent him down. But I mean, but that's. Again, that's, I mean, it's some guys can handle the adjustments, some can't. Uh, to quote uh, one uh, babyface gimmick, Roger Arrieta, uh, they have to adapt. And it sounds like Mr. Walker could not adapt. All right. So, uh, Alicia, obviously, we haven't addressed the elephant in the room. Alicia is somewhere exotic, not here with us. So that's why we won't be having her uh, her picks. But uh, I think she was at the draft or something. Something like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's, what, it's better than whatever I'm doing here right now. No offense, guys. But she's, uh, she's representing the Rams. She, well, they don't even have a pick on day one, bro. That's like, why she's. I don't think Alicia knows that, so she's oh, at yeah. the draft right now, waiting for the Rams pick. Maybe she read Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, and she, oh shit, there it is, right? And they, they just picked a uh, Quinton Johnston uh, at a TCU, so she she's gonna go buy herself a Johnston jersey. Um, well, the sky isn't falling. But Juan still think it is, so I guess that's where we're at. I mean, so it's another, it's a beautiful May day, Juan. Absolutely, it's good times. The Raiders blew their pick again, picking a guy that nobody expected them to pick. So everything's fine in the world. This is why I'm picking. Look, it's much better than the day I had the other day. The Dodgers lost, fucking Lakers lost. I mean, that was a tough things, day. Things have to turn around here. But and I, uh, but I, I'll I tell can you it to Babyface's Clippers. Uh, you know they. Uh, I, I really feel bad. I mean, they, they're building that dome. I mean, sooner or later, I think both of their superstars will play in a playoff series together. 
And our apologies to the Clippers. We ran out of time to discuss the LA Clippers. Uh, by the way, I have a conspiracy theory. I think they lost that game so they can win the series at home. That's the Lakers did. That's the conspiracy theory I'm going with because that's what we all do on the internet. Create conspiracy theories, right? There was, there was some guy on the internet saying the they should have not played uh, AD and LeBron, let them rest because they knew that it was coming back home. So just let them rest a couple of days and then come and win it on Friday. Look, my my concern, and we'll end the show on this, is uh, Darvin Ham is going to cost them a few games in this playoff run. Oh, wow. The hot take is coming in. Oh, shit. I, he's he's going to cost. I mean, look, and I'm not the one that, uh, you know, I've heard this from Beto has said this. His rotations have, con- you know, really baffled people. But it. You know, you can't expect. I know everybody wants to just fucking destroy LeBron, but I just want to remind everyone the dude is 38. Yeah. And nobody in the history of basketball has been the man at this age. I mean, I remember when Kareem, you know, in 88, when the Lakers were, Kareem wasn't the one driving that show, that, that team. That was Magic and James Worthy. And you Kareem know, could barely were, walk, remember? They were bringing Kareem out in a rocking chair, remember? They would yeah. put out a rocking chair and that, That's what I'm saying. And it's just like, let's be realistic. You know, I, I know they were like, oh, Dan, LeBron looks tired. He's 38 fucking years old. You well, know? Remember, the, remember the meme that uh, the yeah, RGC yeah. Supreme Court, I'm 36. Exactly. Like that, but add two more years to it. But I mean, also, it, listen, man, I, I, I'm going to give Anthony Davis a minimal amount of adulation, but I want to fight that guy so bad because there's no like, dude, like you have LeBron James on your team who shows you what you need to do to your body. Like that's the standard, right? Like if every athlete did what LeBron James does to his body and granted, not everyone makes that sort of money. I can understand that. Anthony Davis does, right? That's my only criticism. Like, bro, like, like, well, I don't know what the deal is. I respect the ability I re- all of that, like he has it all. I don't know what the hell happened. And if Kobe Bryant was on that team, like you saw how Kobe Bryant shit talked his teammates, like what, 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 like what? Oh my god! Like don't get like, dude, when he fell and he was he hurt his hip or whatever, like yeah, that could be a legit injury. But like this is a work. Like this is not. This isn't really hat. Like what are we doing here? And it, but again, then he comes out and he drops twenty nine, right? Or whatever. What did he drop? 32. Are you accusing Anthony Davis of botching? Is that what what you're accusing him of? He's an unsafe worker, bro. He's an unsafe worker. If you know the lingo, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, Oh, man. Like, I I was so – like, that guy is so frustrating. Because if he just would have played like how he played in 20, which wasn't that long ago, this team would be lights out. Lights out. But also, like the Dodgers, their offense has been inconsistent, and it's so frustrating. So frustrating. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox now. I, 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 it's like I told Juan a minute ago. Uh, you're going to go out there and tell these basketball players to dunk a ball because it's easy because you're also 6'6". I'm barely 5'11". Um, this episode of the podcast was presented by our partners at Bet Online. If you want to bet on your Los Angeles Lakers, I would say you could bet on the Clippers, but they're out of the playoffs. Uh, if you head on over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BELIEVE, which is B-L-E-A-V, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Big thanks to them for uh, for presenting the show, Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, this was the Bleed Loss Podcast. For those of you that have asked for wrestling talk, you got it. Merry Christmas. You have a corner now.
So, uh, so there's a, maybe we'll figure out like a, a play on words, like Juan's turnbuckle or something. I don't know. Uh, like we'll figure it out that actually from, from the top rope with Juan Ramirez, that's what it should be. Intestinal fortitude with Juan Ramirez. (laughs) Or just, we'll, maybe we'll find like a, a Larry David quote we can imply in there and work it in. The slobber knocker with Juan Ramirez. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I promise you the sky isn't falling. I just have to be, I have to say all these things in jest because as far as Juan and Babyface are concerned, the sky's falling. So, so we, you know, we just got to rein it in a little bit. It'll be okay, guys. Everything's fine. The Lakers are going to win. And if they don't win, it's Juan's fault. But, uh, but thank you guys for checking it out uh, from our, myself, Babyface Gimmick in the Sky Roger, and, uh, and Juan Ramirez, the Prince of Darkness, and from Alicia Del Valle, even though she's at the draft. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.